Today's year begins ten lines from the top of Daf Ayin Hay. You will notice a Mishnah, a new Mishnah in the middle of the Omid. Before we begin the text, we glance at the side where we have a, no say, a topic heading, which reads, Machlikis Tanoim, a Tanaic controversy, Im Mo'il Haforas Nedorim Shabal, is their effectiveness to the annulment of a husband's of a, a the annulment of on the part of a husband of his wife's vows al nidre ishto me rosh the tidor before she even utters a vow will his annulment be effective the mishnah hoimer lishto a man says to his wife kol hanidorim shetoduri mikan viad ad sheovoi mimokim ploni all the vows that you make from now until I return from such and such a, such and such a place, Harei Hain Kayomin. Here he attempts to substantiate her vows, to confirm her vows. These are vows that she hasn't even made yet. Lo Omar Klum. He has said nothing. In other words, something that hasn't been uttered yet, the substantiation of that is of no value. If, however, he declares null and void all vows that she will make from the time that he uh, leaves until the time he comes back from that place, Rabbi Lezer says it's effective. It's an effective annulment. It, uh, and then, <coughs> it's ineffective. Omar Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Lozer, in arguing his point, says, If a person is able to annul vows that have already become a reality, the violation of them would be a prohibition, would be a sin. Should it not be all the more so that he's able to annul vows that haven't come to the realm of prohibition, that haven't come to uh, existence, Omru Lo. So the Rabbonon, the Chachamim responded, Harehu Omer. The pasuk says, Isha Yekimenu veIsha Yefirenu. That's a quote from the pasuk. As Shabbal Lachlal Hakem, that which has come to be able to be substantiated, namely, it's a a, a real vow. Ba Lachlal Hafir. It comes to uh, being subject to annulment. Lo Ba Lachlal Hakem. Vows that have not come to the possibility of being confirmed, namely, they haven't been uttered yet. Lo, ba, lichlal hafer. Likewise, do not come to the realm of being annulled. So, as far as vows that haven't been uttered yet and their ability of being substantiated, that everyone agrees doesn't exist. The Gemara focuses on Rebbe Eliezer, and before we read the Gemara itself, we glance at the side, we have a no-say topic heading, and this topic heading also indicates that it's a long topic, it'll take us to the Ayin Vav Omidbeis, so that even though we are learning within the context of Daf Yomi Shiurim, uh, as uh, those who have been listening to our Shiurim uh, throughout this Mesichta have Noted, we've spilled over quite often from the Dafyomi quota. So here too, in order to 
complete the trend of thought that we will be exposed to it's to our uh, benefit to complete the sugya without breaking it in the middle and that will take us to daf ayin vav omid beis now what have we written on under our topic heading biur shitas rebelazer we're going to analyze clarify the opinion of rebelazer diomar diyoch lahafir nitra ishto meirosh that a person a husband can uh, issue a vow annulment from the outset before she vows. Hayim Nidorum Elu, the vows that she eventually utters, is it that they uh, take hold and then and then are immediately nullified? Or is it so that nothing takes hold to begin with? Sounds like a, an academic analysis. Is there any practical application of this? Yes, there is. The practical application or difference between these two points of analysis is is there a possibility of paralleling or copying your vow uh, and, and basing it on this lady's vow? It's true that the lady's vow is going to be annulled, but if I try to uh, base my vow on what she said, if what she said takes hold and is then uh, nullified, so there was what to take hold on. There was a vow for me to copy or to base myself on. However, if you take the other approach that uh, nothing even materializes uh, by way of her vow because of the husband's initial nullification so then my as my vowing <clears throat> and patterning it after hers I have nothing to pattern it after she her vow never materializes now we turn to the Gemara we also have a long question marking take note of that Ibayalaho according to the Taner Belezer Mechal Cholen Ubetelen is it such that her vow materializes? Chal means it starts, but it's also nullified, immediately nullified. O Dilma lo cholin klal, or is the analysis that uh, nothing gets started to begin with? The, in other words, the nullification that he uh, uttered at the outset prevents any vow from even materializing. Lamai nafkamina, what? difference does it make between these two points of analysis? We continue at the top of Omid Beis. Kagon de Atfis Achrina Behodein Nidra. If someone else, some uh, some outsider came and accepted upon himself a vow like hers. Uh, we look at Rashi at the top line. De Atfis Achrina Behodein Nidra. Kagon Shinodra Benozir. Imagine the woman's vow was accepting Nazirus uh, upon herself, the the vow whereby one abstains from wine and and uh, grape products, with uh, other uh, uh, restrictions that go along with that type of vow. The Omra, and she said Hareini Nazira, and in her vowing she says, "I am going to be a Nazir." Vishama Ish Achir, and some other person heard that. Vyomer Vani Kamokach, I likewise. The Gemara continues at the end of the top line. Iamris cholin. If you say that her vow takes hold, it materializes. 
though an instant later it's nullified because of the husband's initial nullification. So, Tfisuta, Havya Tfisuta, that his, his Nazir's declaration takes hold because it's patterning a vow that she took that materialized, that, that became a reality, albeit for a moment. Yamr's Lochol, and if you say that her vow as a result of the husband's initial nullification doesn't even materialize, Lo Iko Mashosha. So there's no substance. There's no substance for him, this uh, outsider, to latch on in his attempt to copy her Nazirus. My. So that, what is the, how do we settle this? What's the uh, proper analysis? You'll notice a marking scheme. On the side of the more under the Mivne heading, we explain that you have triangles that are explained as being a ma'akav, an attempt to keep track of a give-and-take style Gemara. The, the numbering that you see features the nisyonos, the toshma, or the nisyonos, the revzor lo klal. These are attempts to show that the vow that she uh, utters does not materialize whatsoever. Uh, when you encounter the inverted triangle, that is we call dechios, so the rejection of whatever was attempted. The Gemara. Toshma. We're trying to figure out Rabbi Eliezer's opinion regarding the status of the vows that the lady makes in light of the initial husband nullification. So, Omer Rabbi Lazar, Im Hofer Nidorm Shebol Lechlal Isur, Rabbi Lazar was arguing that the initial nullification works by virtue of the fact that Nidorm that have already materialized can be undone through Hafora. So, Lo Yofer Nidorm Shelobol Lechlal Isur, should it not be that a husband should likewise or certainly have the power to annul? vows that haven't come to uh, restriction altogether. Well, from that phrasing, notice we dashed underline this would indicate that nothing even materializes. The Gemara rejects this. Does it say that do not come if it had said she'enon bo'in, so then you're right that it, they, they do not come into existence even when she vows. But that's not what it says. Shelo bo'u kotoni. The language is shelo bo'u. Adayin lo bo'u. Rashi explains shelo bo'u kotoni mashma de adayin lo nodra. That language indicates she hasn't even vowed yet. However, when she actually vows, I still will ask, there's still room for asking the original question. In other words, from the quote here from our Mishnah, you don't shed light on our question. Because the Mishnah is describing a situation because of the language, meaning she hasn't even uttered the vow yet. When she utters the vow, that remains unclear what happens. Does something take hold and is then nullified, or nothing gets started to begin with? Toshma, Omar Lohen, Rebbe Eliezer. We have a double underline marking on the side. 
These uh, are explained as hadgoshes lehokel al hakriyavaseder. These are a marking emphasis that you see here and you see later on, simply to make the reading easier, so that you know what to focus on. So we'll, let's see. Rebbelezer argues as follows: Amal and Rebbelezer, Ma b'mokayim she'ein mefer nidre atzmo mishenodar mefer nidre atzmo ad sheloyodur. Mind you, in a case where a person already vowed, he cannot annul uh, his vows. In other words, a person has no right, is not allowed to annul his own vows. Regarding one's own vows, the Postic says, Lo yachel dvoro. He shall not violate his vow. But others can. That's the idea of a person approaching a Torah scholar for the vow to be released. So, an immediate context, a first-person context, a person cannot undo his own vows. However, he can announce ahead of time, before he vows, that he doesn't want his vows to take hold. This, is, uh, this was explained earlier in the Masichta on Davchof Gimel Omid Beis, regarding a person uh, getting up on Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, and saying, all vows that I make henceforth should not be binding. So that takes place. In a case of a husband and wife, where a husband can can annul his wife's vows, so all the more so, he should be able to annul the vows of his wife even before she utters them. My love, the ishto dumya delay. Are we not then to compare whatever we're saying regarding his wife to what we know about the man himself? Mahu dolo just like with regard to a person himself, if he arises on at the beginning of the year and says, All vows that I make during this year should not have validity, it should not have any substance. We know that in a set in effect the vows don't get started at all. So too with regard to the wife. The vows that she would utter do not get started at all. So this would be the attempt to prove uh, one of the two sides of analysis. And as you can see, we've dashed, underlined, after we squinted afishto, so nami lo chaylin, nothing even begins. And once again, why is that? Because we're paralleling the wife to the man himself. Lo, that is not conclusive. Hakidi isa, hakidi isa, with each one on its own. With regard to a man's own vows, his uh, pre-nullification, in fact, prevents them from even getting started. However, with regard to a man and his pre-nullification of his wife's vows, there they might very well get started, but uh, and are then um, uh, immediately absolved. So this is inconclusive. We continue then. Tashma, Omru lo lerebelazer. The Chachomim that disagree with Rebbe Lazar argue, as we will see in this Tanaic source, a, an argument. But what we have to pay attention to is from the, from the way they argue to him, we'll then understand what his original position was. So we have to be able to uh, then read uh, beyond what the source itself is saying and read into what, what had they heard Rebbe Lazar saying in order to come to a conclusion. Of course, with our Mark Gamoras, you can jump ahead and see the dashed underlining at the bottom line, 
where Shmami no lo chaylin. This is just another attempt, like we've seen till now, to show that according to Rabbi Lezer, the advanced nullification of the husband prevents the woman's, the the wife's vows from even uh, materializing. So now let's uh, let's see what they said to him. They said as follows, and they're going to be arguing from. Uh, here, and we're going to see on Ayin Vavam and Aleph as well, from, we'll call it, outside sources. Uh, but, it's a, what we will see is a certain uh, way of looking at things when you're dealing with uh, preventive measures. Here, we're going to deal with the topic of immersion in a mikveh. Uh, mikveh is a ritual p- uh, pool in which, uh, after immersion, so that which was defiled then becomes purified. What are we? What are we to learn from mikveh? As follows: Uma mikveh shemale es mitumoson. A mikveh which enables he who has been defiled or items that have been defiled to become purified, to rise from their level of defilement and leave it. And yet, ein matzil al mi litame. If someone is already tohor. He's a an undefiled individual, and he goes into the mikveh with the hope of the mikveh now providing him with tumor resistance. Well, it doesn't work. That doesn't help. It's true that a mikveh is effective in removing defilement that already exists, but it doesn't work to prevent defilement from setting upon a person that is currently tar. So that's as far as a mikveh with its limitations. In other words, a mikveh does have purification powers, but there is some limitation. Adam she'ein male es mitumason. A person, and maybe we have to so share a word of background here. There's a a concept of vessels or substances that are made into vessels that never become tome. Amongst those uh, items are dung, glolim, feces. That substance, uh, waste, can be fashioned into vessels. It's called clay glolim. And clay glolim do not become tome. They're tumor resistant. What we're going to describe here is a person takes a vessel, in this case a ring, a small item, a small metal item, it's something that is subject to defilement. Uh, the, and, and he swallows it while it's tome, and it comes out his digestive tract to the other end. We don't view the ring as glolim. We don't view the ring as something that's now tohor, because it went through digestive tract. In other words, a, a person is not a, a, a human uh, rituarium. The, let's read this in the text. Odom she'ein male es mitumason. A person does not purify or uh, undefile that which has already been defiled uh, on the grounds of it being considered a, uh, not a ring anymore but clay glolim. All the more so, the person could, would not be able to swallow a 
Tor ring and have it come out the other end and claim that this is a Kli Glolim. Now this is what the, the Chachomim were arguing to Rebbe Lazar. In, in other words, showing that uh, like the mikveh, the, 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 not only the mikveh, but a mikveh and certainly a person do not have the capacity of, of building in a preemptive uh, form of purification, namely, uh, or, or built-in tumor resistance. Well, so if that's what they were arguing against Rebbe Lezer, what was Rebbe Lezer apparently saying with regard to the preemptive powers a husband has vis-a-vis his wife's vows? So Shema Mino, through the eyes of the Chomim, we can conclude what Rebbe Lezer must have been saying. He was saying, Lo Chaylin, that in fact, when a person issues a, an initial um, annulment, that the vow does not get off the ground. This you can see explained in the Rosh commentary. Second line from the bottom, from the fact that the Rabbonon were bringing a proof to their position uh, from the Mikveh, that the Mikveh, though it's capable of, of, of purifying that which is defiled, but it cannot build in defilement resistance, it must be that they heard Rebel Ozer saying, Rebel Ozer was taking the position that a husband's annulment of the wife's vows ahead of time prevents them from beginning altogether. is on that point that they brought proof, from the case of the Ritualarium, the Afagav, the Moyo, even though the Mikveh. Uh, purifies that which had already become defiled. It's not effective against tumor that is that eventually will uh, will uh, will uh, will appear will come that it shouldn't take hold. For our purposes, though, what we see from this the, is the position of Reb Lazar that the advanced annulment makes it such that the vows do not even materialize. The wife's vows don't even materialize. Well, that having been said, we continue uh, with a challenge. Amor Seifa. That's why you see an inverted triangle. What does it say in the Seifa of the Mikveh source? It says, uh, The Chachomim said to Rebbe Lazar, Im matbilim kli tomei Litoher. If uh, we can immerse a vessel in a mikveh that has already become tomei, and the immersion results in its purification, yatbilu klitor lecheshayitma litoher. Would would you think that you can immerse a currently pure, undefiled vessel? So that when it becomes Tomei, it shall then become purified. So, once again, as we saw before, this is what the Chachamim were saying in opposition to Rebbe Lezer. So what must have been Rebbe Lezer's position when he was arguing about the advanced nullification? So if you keep things parallel to this 
we'll call the Kli source, that's why we have a diamond around the word Kli, so we can refer to it as the Kli source, what must Rebbe Lozer have been saying? Well, just like they were saying that uh, immersion uh, cannot prevent a vessel from when it does become Tomei to then become Tor. So what was Rebbe Lozer saying about the vows? That the annulment that the husband makes is such that when the, when the wife utters the vow and it materializes, it then becomes nullified. Oh, so Shmamino. From this, we conclude that Chaylin. And now we have a real problem on our hands. We've got a stira uh, between the Resha, from which we concluded that Rebbe Lozer holds that the vows of the woman don't even get off the ground in light of the husband's initial uh, annulment. And in the Seifa, we see that the vow would materialize, in other words, the, the vow takes hold, but is then instantly absolved. So what do we do with this? We have a stira between the Resha and the Seifa. The, the Gemara answers that it's not a stira per se. Amri, Rabbonon lo kaimi lohin the Rabbalozer. What we're seeing here is simply that the Rabbonon were not familiar, they didn't understand Rebelozer's opinion. So you notice that in both of these today quotes, they begin with Omrulo, they, the Rabbonon, spoke to Rebelozer, and the problem here is not in Rebelozer, but rather it's in, under, in it's from the Rabbonon's standpoint that they did not understand what Rebelozer was saying. So we read again from the third line, from the top of Ayin Vovam and Aleph, Rabbonon lo kaimi lohon betaim de Rebelozer, v'hochi ko'amri leh, and thusly the Rabbonon were saying to Rebbe Eliezer, My svirolach, what do you hold with regard to husband's advanced uh, annulment of wife's vows? E svirolach, if you have take the position, the chaylin betaylin, that they materialize, but thanks to his initial annulment, they are nullified. Well, if that's your analysis, have a clean Let the instance of the kli that we featured at the top of this summit, you can see kli in the diamond, that will be a refutation, namely that the advanced hafara is not going to be effective. Just like you can see with the immersion of the Kli uh, in a mikveh with the anticipated hope of when it does become Tameh, should become Tor, which is ridiculous. That doesn't happen. And just like you would concede that that doesn't happen with the vessel, so too you should concede to our position that the advanced annulment is ineffective. And the Rabbonin said to Rebbe Lezer, and if you don't hold that they materialize, in other words, if your position is that as a result of the advanced nullification, the vow that the woman utters doesn't materialize whatsoever, so, uh, so then let the case of mikveh be a refutation. 
namely that we saw in the case of mikveh, there is no chance of immersing to prevent tumah from ever setting in on in the first place. That having been said, we haven't concluded then with any degree of clarity as to what exactly is Rebbe Lozer's position regarding the husband's advanced annulment of wife's vows. The Toshma, Omar Lahen, Rebbe Lozer, so the Rebbe Lozer said to the Rabbonan, Umaz Royim Tameyin, mind you, with regard to seeds, seeds like, imagine, uh, wheat grains that became Tomei, when you take tome seeds and plant them in the ground, the seeds lose their tuma. They're no longer tome. Zruin v'oimdin lo Things that are already planted that are attached to the ground, all the more so if someone tome, let's say, touches a a plant that's a growing that's attached and growing from the ground, all the more so, they will not become tomei. And Reb Lozer is using the seeds as an analogy to what he holds by with regard to the husband's advanced annulment. Shmamina. So from here we see lo chaylin. The, the the vows don't even begin. They don't even materialize. All as a result of the husband's advanced annulment. So up till now, we've seen the we'll call the method of, of uh, analysis of argument that Rebbe Lozer was using against the Rabbonon. The Gemara asks, now the, the, there's refocusing now, and uh, we focus our attention on the Rabbonon. Rabbonon lo darshi kalvachomer. Do the Rabbonon not argue uh, using Kalvachomer logic like this, like Rebbe Lozer did, and thereby they should arrive at the same conclusion that a man is able to annul wife's vows from the outset. Just to just to refresh our memories, Rebbe Lozer in the Mishnah argued that a man is able to annul before she utters the vow and the annulment is effective up till now we're simply analyzing what exactly happens when the woman utters the vow but as far as the basic point Rebbe Lozer said an advanced annulment is effective the Rabbanon said an advanced annulment is not effective but is it not so that the Rabbanon and again, once again we're going to be referring to a totally unrelated topic, but what we're looking at is the method of logic. And since we see elsewhere the Rabbonin employ a method of logic similar to that of Rebbe Lozer over here, should they not have come to the same conclusion? Namely, that advanced annulment is effective? So let's continue in the Gemara. V'hatanya, have we not seen uh, the following uh, point argued by the Rabbonin? And this topic deals with an Amo Evriya, a girl who the Torah uh, says can be sold into a form of uh, obligatory servitude on the, by her father. And the Torah rule states that a, a Jewish girl 
can be sold into servitude up till age 12. When the girl reaches the age of Na'arus, age 12, she automatically is released. She leaves her, we'll say, employer, if you will, the, uh, her master. That's basic information. So now let's read the source. Yoho Yimkor Odom es Bito Kishinara. Could it be that a father has the power, has the right to sell his daughter after age 12? Nara is the age of a girl between 12 and 12 and a half. So after she reaches age 12, can a father sell his daughter? Amris Kavachomer. With Kavachomer logic, you will see that he cannot do that. Mechura Kvar Yoitza, a girl who had been sold as a minor. She'd already been sold. Yoitza means she leaves the servitude at age 12. Eino Mechura, a girl who had not been sold into servitude prior to age 12. Eino Din Shaloti Mochur, all the more so. She cannot be sold initially after age 12 into servitude. And we look at Rashi together. Uh, second line under the Gemara text, Eino Din Shaloti Mochur, certainly he will not be able to sell her. After she reaches the age of Narus Mishum Haitaimo, because of this reason, uh, mind you, a girl that's already been sold prior to this, she now leaves servitude at this age. Uh, all the more so, a girl who hasn't been sold to begin with by this age cannot be sold into servitude. So, Afkanami, Yehei, Yocholahafir Law, Kaidim Shinotra, so to. If we just apply this kind of logic to the vows, the uh, husband should certainly be able to issue an advanced annulment. He has all the more strength here. Where, mind you, she, a woman vowed, and the vow takes hold, and afterwards the husband can come along and annul it. All the more so, if she hasn't vowed whatsoever, certainly he should be able to issue an advanced, effective annulment. So the question is very simply, why did the Rabbonin argue with Rabbi Eliezer regarding husbands of power in advanced vow annulment? The Gemara answers at the top of Omid Beis, of Ayin Vav Omid Beis, in Yes, Ba'al Modar we, we can't deny that, in general, the Rabbanan do accept this type of Kavachomer logic. shiny hocha, but here, in the case of vows and annulment, it's different. The Omar Kro, because here we're bound by a verse, a scriptural reference, which says, the Omar Kro, the Pasuk says, Isha Yikimena Visha Her husband can substantiate, and her husband can annul. Those kind of vows that have come to the point that they can be substantiated, being established by her husband, her husband seconding the motion, so to speak, only those kind of vows, because of the juxtaposition in the Pasuk of Yekimenu Hakoma substantiating, Yefirenu is the annulment. So only those kind of vows that have come to be able to be substantiated, and that we established earlier, are only vows that have been actually uttered. So only actually uttered vows can be annulled. 
as Shalobo Lechvalah came, vows that she hasn't yet made, which we already saw everyone accepts, cannot be substantiated, can't have advanced substantiation of her vows. Lobo Lechvalah so those kind those kind of vows that have not been uttered yet, they cannot be annulled. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.